Another diminished six-game slate of footy is upon us. But with an epic five matches and a North Melbourne fixture, things will build nicely into the Queen's birthday long weekend. Two top eight blockbusters are scheduled with the Lions taking on the Saints on Saturday and the Pies tackling Melbourne for the freeze at the G on Monday. Richmond can also sneak their way back into the top eight tonight with a win over Port, while Friday's game between the Dons and the Blues would have plenty of feeling to it considering Eston will be celebrating their 150th year in football competitions. With me to help you work out what to watch out for this weekend is Footy Live's resident number one AFL expert, Nick Williaminio. And speaking of being an expert, Nick, I've got a question that notice for you. Yep. Have you ever been in a punch-on in a French bistro? Uh, not a French one. No, I'm joking. Never. Never have I. Um, yeah, no, that's not something I'd really get up to on my weekends or my days off. It's a bit of a, yeah, odd one for the Ds. Just such an just such an odd one. Because, like, you know, footballer hits other footballer. You see it all the time. And, like, mm. in context, it makes sense. A feisty intramatch in the preseason or, you know, maybe it's backyard backyard bevies or the postseason Mad Monday celebrations get a bit hectic. But, you know, let's go have a nice, you know, beef Wellington or like a croque monsieur or something. And and then yeah. you come to fisticuffs. It's like that's that's a, that's a that's a fairly interesting uh, dinner night out. <laughs> well there were, there were obviously a few drinks down those two uh, Melbourne boys and uh, I guess, you know, it, when you're the reigning premiers, the focus is always going to be on you. But it was it was funny when the um when the actual reason of the whole argument came out. Um, well, not funny. I, I don't know why Stephen May would say something like that to a teammate. But, um, yeah, it's a strange one. And it, it, it puts Melbourne in a pretty bad spot heading into Queen's birthday. I mean, it just builds the pressure, puts more pressure on their shoulders. The heat grows and, yeah, the... Um, they want to they want to get back on the winners list as soon as possible. You'd think. You do think so, but also history's in their favour here. So the last time a reigning premier had a uh, off the field scuffle uh, was Kebabgate with Richmond breaking protocol, eating a kebab late in twenty twenty. They came out, they won, they won the competition again, and uh, they got free kebabs from that shop for life. So who knows? It's, it fits well with the you know the theme and the brand of Melbourne. They're a bit more upmarket. So that was Entrecote, a fancy French bistro. So perhaps mm. the same thing. They come out, they go back to back, and they get free Entrecote for the rest of their lives. You know, <laughs> cheese platters deluxe. Who who knows? But speaking of the D's, they're our must-watch game of the week. They you had these guys pens on, of course. The big freeze. Fight MMD, you're wearing the beanie there, doing the brand proud. Collingwood versus Melbourne on Queen's birthday Monday. Talk us through what you'll be watching out for this weekend, mate. Yeah, well, it's it's definitely the must-watch game, obviously. Collingwood going into it, um, three wins on the trot. Uh, They're in pretty good form. They've beaten some good sides. They've won some close games. They're full of confidence. Uh, They love the big occasion as well. Um, They obviously won on Anzac Day. Last year, they beat Melbourne on Queen's birthday as well. Um, so I reckon they'll be going into this with a lot of confidence. And Melbourne, um, as we just touched on, um, you just mentioned, you, you know, there's obviously some negative effects to all this me- uh, negative media uh, uh, attentions. But, you know, being a Hawthorne supporter, we had our fair share of that too. And it, it, it tests you as a club. I don't think... 
um, you know, adversity will come up at some point, whether it's off-field drama or injuries. Richmond went through it. I think it's a test to see how good Melbourne really are and how are they going to bounce back from this. Um, if, they, if they're just going to go into their shells, lose a third game on the trot, go into the bye and, you know, just not recover from it, then it shows how, you know, mentally weak Melbourne are. Or on the opposite end of the spectrum, they could just blow Collingwood out of the water on Monday and this time next week we would have forgotten completely about the whole Stephen May situation, uh, the whole Christian Petrarca situation, what he spoke about um, regarding the fans earlier in the week, and we would have forgotten about the last two losses. So um, a win can change a lot, and that's all they'll be focusing about. So it's definitely a must-watch game. They, they, I don't think they can afford to lose a third in a row because that, that will bring the heat. Um, and yeah, Collingwood are more than capable of getting a victory here. So, um, yeah, all, all our attentions will be on this match for sure. Mm. And so I think, uh, Petrarca will be quite happy to be a big, massive crowd in there. So he will be amped up and ready to go, but history's against them. As you said, the pies are, you know, more than capable of knocking off the D's and they've been the D's bogey side in the last couple of years. So five, the last six matches. The Pies have won, mm. including last year's big freeze, which they won by three goals. So, yeah, if you're not on your game here, I think Collingwood can take you out. And it's very interesting looking at some of the numbers. Well, over the last four weeks, Collingwood's probably been playing some pretty good football, but they're last mm-hmm. in contested possessions. They're last in uncontested possessions. They play, to use a cliche, that Richmond dynasty-style football, that chaos football, where it's all that energy, unpredictability, surge mentality, get it forward, and then... The defense comes off, you know, ground position and, and intercepting. Mm. And so, yeah, this is the second versus the third best uh, defensive units in the competition. So it could be uh, quite a low-scoring, tight, tense affair. And if it's close, then that keeps keeps Collingwood in the game and gets them, you know, close to being six out of seven. Do we think Melbourne can sire, um, um, yeah, have a sigh of relief because uh, Sam Widerman's coming back in to sturdy up that forward line? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if I was a Melbourne supporter, I'd probably think that he's, um, you know, best team material. I think if he was playing for any other club in the in the country, he would be in their best 22. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a, a bonus having him back in the side. Um, but, oh, again, on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, not having Stephen May there is going to hurt. Um, they, they were playing well until he got injured um, against Fremantle and came off. And obviously last week without him, uh, they conceded six goals between um, Sam Reid and Logan McDonald. So I think he, he's, he's the glue to that defence. And um, I think that's where it's going to be won and lost. If Collingwood can um, cause enough troubles in that um, in that forward 50, they will um, ultimately win the game. It's obvious to say, but that, that's the way I see it. Mm. And so we saw last week that Max Gorn did everything possible to try and win this game off his own boot. 23 mm. contested, uh, contested possessions, his personal best, created his whole career. He couldn't do it against Sydney, and uh, he couldn't do it against Fremantle the week before. Is Max mm. Gorn enough to do it against Collingwood? Because their midfield, you know, they've got a couple of veterans in there and a lot of youngsters. 
against what is meant to be one of the number one midfields in the competition. Is a, is a Max Gorn big day out enough to get the Ds across the line or do they need the whole midfield to fire? Uh, definitely the whole midfield. Um, obviously, last week's game uh, was probably Max Gorn's best for the season. He absolutely dominated um, and obviously it wasn't enough in the end. So he does need the he does need his midfielders around him to help. But, you know, I don't think Collingwood will be wanting to take a chance on... Um, you know, Max Gorn dominating and hoping they can still get up. They'll, they'll, they'll want to obviously negate his um, his influence on the game. Uh, and Collingwood obviously don't have a ruckman either. With I mean, they do, uh, but with Grundy out and Darcy Cameron and Mason Cox um, fill, trying to fill that void, uh, Gorn has the obvious advantage. So... Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, I think I think Gorn is due another big day out. He found his feet a bit um, last week, and yeah, he'll be hoping to he'll be hoping to tap it down the throats of a few a few more of his midfielders uh, this week, especially Petrarca, who was quiet last week. So he needs to have a big game. We've noted this week that the uh, Melbourne players are obviously quite on edge and a bit angry. We also uh, saw in the media, obviously, the backlash against the diving, ducking Jack Ginevan. But uh, also, I don't know if you saw uh, on Instagram this week that Ginevan's been off teaching his teammates during training this week how to also play for free kicks. So how much will the umpires play into the result? And can Melbourne keep a cool head, considering that Collingwood, uh, with a pressure factor of 185 this season, is the number two pressure team in the competition? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I saw that photo. Was it with um, Jack Madgen? Madgen? Yes, it was. Yeah, name? him and Jack Madgen, they were doing a couple of different... Uh, you get the ball and you slide onto your back knee and then you kind of like tilt your head to the side. Yeah, yeah. Look, there's skill there. There's skill there. So hats off to him. But uh, very interesting to uh, get that published on Instagram. Yeah, it's, it it's was. a rile up. It it's a rile up for an angry club. I love it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So... Yeah, we're going to see it in full effect. And, yeah, I was on the other end of it last week being a Hawthorne supporter, and it is frustrating. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an obvious advantage, I think, after the after the week in the media uh, Ginnivan's had and um, with Craig McRae as well saying in his press conference that he, you know, wants, wants the umpires. He questioned the umpires and the way uh, Ginnivan's um, being treated. So, you know, if he does get low enough, he's going to get those free kicks. It, it will have an influence um, on the game. And, yeah, maybe in that photo, he, he, was, he could have also been teaching uh, Imagine how to, I guess, um, still be able to tackle those small forwards um, even though they get low. I'm uh, trying to find another way around it because... Melbourne do have a few of their own. Uh, I know Fritch likes to get low, Cosy Pickett. So, um, yeah, I guess I guess we'll wait and see. But yeah, you, it's a frustrating one. I don't like to see it. I don't like to see um, the rules trying to get you know, uh, yeah, flawed. The game's hard enough to umpire, and uh, they're they're giving the umpires a harder time trying to. Um, yeah, trying to give them a decision to make, and on the biggest stage, I just hope it doesn't. Yeah, I hope it doesn't cost one team the game. We'll be back after a quick break.
So to round out this game, then, what's your prediction for the Monday afternoon matchup? Oh, I'm, I want to go on form. I'm going to say Collingwood. I, I, I mean, you're only as good as your last game. I think Melbourne have genuinely struggled over the last two weeks. Um, yeah, I, I think Collingwood are capable of beating them. And, um, yeah, I, I think I'd, I'd, I'd be more confident tipping Collingwood at the moment than I would Melbourne for some reason. But, yeah, uh, I, think I'll, I think I'll back the pies. There you go. Two losses on the chart. You're off the uh, reigning champions and new dynasty makers. I'm tipping Melbourne. And, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a very yeah. interesting one this week. Lots of flip-flopping between now and Monday for sure, but this would be one that you can definitely make up on your tipsters and your, and your workmates if you get this one correct. But uh, I'll be sticking fat with the, with the Ds. Losing to Sydney, mm-hmm. I think Sydney are top four contenders. Losing to Frio, well, we all know that I am purple through and through. They're a premiership contender this year now. <laughs> Uh, Collingwood are not. They're on the rebuild. They might scrape eighth, but they might finish 13th. You don't know. And the Ds are definitely still finishing top two for mine. So it will be a Ds win, but it'll be a lot closer and probably a lot more stressful than uh, Summer Guru probably wants it to be. Speaking of stressful, Mm. if you know any St Kilda fans, they are stressed because they... They know this feeling. They've been here before if they're old enough to, to you know, the mid-2000s when their team was very good. Nick, Rowell, Nick Rewalt was at the forward line taking massive grabs or getting heartbroken by Geelong or Collingwood week after week, year mm-hmm. after year. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they come to round 13, the halfway point of the season, and they're in with a sniff, a sniff at the top four. Maybe the top two if things go all right. Maybe if they kick on and, you know, win the games that they should. So my question to you about our second must-watch game, Brisbane versus St Kilda on Saturday night at the Gabba, is that is St Kilda a mid-tier team that's like punchy, battlers, you know, they can take it up to the big teams but there's no expectations? Or are they now officially a top-tier team that should go up to the Gabba and take on a Brisbane Mm. side that's not really playing their best footy over the last four weeks or so? I I still don't know if... I would classify St Kilda as a top-tier team, but they'll obviously feel different about themselves and so will their supporters. And I think they'll be going into this game uh, thinking it's a statement opportunity. Um, I, I think they've, you know, obviously they've won a lot of games this season. They've played some very good footy. Uh, they're, they're a contender for top four, absolutely. Uh, but I think they've also been uh, a tad inconsistent um, throughout games, not in terms of results, but more so their four-quarter efforts. Um, but, you know, they've had a bye, and now they're going to the Gabba to face the Lions, who are, you know, uh, coming off a loss. And I think it was shown last week by Melbourne that, you know, winning on the rebound isn't as easy as it looks. Um, St Kilda will be purring. They, they'll think, think of this as an opportunity to make a statement, and they'll want to uh, change the opinions of, of themselves for people like myself who still aren't fully behind them. But, um, yeah, and, and I think they are—they probably are capable of winning. They've actually had the wood over Brisbane, um, winning five out of their last seven meetings, which is, you know, enough to say that they're a bogey side for Brisbane. Um, and, yeah, they're fresh off the bye. They're going to have the fresher legs. Brisbane, on the other hand, have flown, uh, done the big trip of Australia from Perth back to Brisbane um, and obviously had a pretty grueling game against the Dockers as well. So they'll, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they're feeling a little bit beaten up. So, 
Yeah, it'll be an interesting game, but St Kilda definitely um, definitely wouldn't write them off in this one. It could be another upset for mine. I think, yeah, twofold here. St Kilda's defence has been amazing this year, which is great to see that they've they've finally solidified that foundation and they can try and explore some more aggressive, attacking, stylish football. Um, and then over the last four rounds, they've dominated the midfield. We get possessions, yeah. but they're up there. You know, they're in the top eight for possessions and contested possessions, whatever. But it's just scoring from clearance alone. They're, they're yeah. you know, they're three goals better than their opponents over the last four weeks. And so that's taking away Brisbane's strength. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, Brisbane, they've maintained those midfield numbers, but they've, and they've put it on the scoreboard, but they've been very, very leaky in defense. Um, they've conceded since round 10, 104 points per game, which is second yeah. or third last in the competition. And from rounds one to nine, it was only 70 points per game. Now we're ranked third. So it depends which Brisbane comes out. And as you mentioned, doing the trip, they go over to Fremantle, they get done, they have to come all the way back against a fresh mm-hmm. St Kilda. They're primed for the taking. So if you want to tip St Kilda, if you want to bet St Kilda, I think that's a smart move as well. Mm-hmm. Will you be backing them in then? Are you going to go against the grain, against the lines at the Gabba and say that St Kilda is the bogey side and back them in for the tip? Yeah, I probably I actually probably will um back St Kilda here. I think um yeah, with the Lions last week I think teams might start to be figuring them out in a way. I know Lockie Neal had thirty one possessions last week, but his impact uh was limited. Um and surprise, surprise, Fremantle get the victory. They dominated the midfield as well, dominated clearances. Um even against Hawthorne when Brisbane lost in Tassie. Uh, Lockie Neal was tagged out of that one and you touched on St Kilda's um, how damaging they are from clearances three goals better than the opposition scoring from clearances well if they if they take Lockie Neal out of the game which is you know a lot easier said than done I know but if you just chuck someone on him and then um, do what you do best which for St Kilda is getting those clearances and scoring goals that that could be that could be enough to beat Brisbane. I think it really is as simple as that. So I, I I'll back the Saints in here to get the job done. I think you've convinced me as well. And I think again, teams prime for the picking. I, I don't know. I think maybe you know we overreacted to the Fremantle Melbourne game, tongue in cheek from my end about you know that proves their premiership contenders. It doesn't really because Melbourne will still be a top four club at the end of the year. Tell me Brisbane. I think Brisbane's going to finish top four. But does that mean they're going to beat St Kilda on this round 13 game in the middle of winter when it doesn't really matter for them? Maybe. But when it comes to St Kilda, it's the same as that Fremantle-Melbourne matchup. St Kilda has a point to prove. Are we a top-tier club? Can we? This is one that St Kilda circles in the, in the diary. We've got off the bye. Let's make a statement. Let's start our second half of the year off on the right foot. It's an ambush yep. coming. And, yeah, I think they go up together and they steal the points. Mm. Speaking of stealing points, we get into our upset alerts. And as we do nearly every week, I turn to Nikki G and say, make the case for the Hawks because you didn't quite get it done last week. No. Maybe the umpires were involved in it. Maybe not. But you played a bloody good game against the Pies. However, free medal, they knocked off Melbourne. They went back home. They knocked off the Lions. They're staying at home. They're well-rested. Can this, free, uh, this Hawthorne side go across the Nullarbor and do what most teams can't against this Docker side and beat them at home? Yeah, well, I wouldn't be putting any money on them, that's for sure. But I, I, the reason I've got this game as an upset, uh, a potential upset, 
is more so because of Fremantle. And yes, they've beaten Melbourne and calling uh, Melbourne and Brisbane, sorry, over the last two weeks. But their last two losses, Gordo came from uh, losing to the Suns and losing to the Dockers at home. Two games they should have won. And now, yes, they, they win the, the big occasion games, but now they've got a game at Haw- against Hawthorne where they are hot favourites at home, um, expected to win. And for me, I I mean, for all of us, we still need to see if Fremantle can handle the pressure of being favourites because they failed on their last two occasions. Um Yes, I think I think their preferred um, their preferred style of play suits being not not the underdog, but I don't know a more competitive a more competitive game. But when they're dominating possession, I'm not sure if that's I'm not sure if they enjoy dominating possession and trying to break teams down, defensive teams that we saw um, when they did play the Suns and um, the the Magpies, but. Look, I, I expect Fremantle to win, but it's just going to be interesting to watch um, how they do it. And, you know, I think Hawthorne will put up a good fight. You mentioned, you know, they were quite good in the second half against Collingwood. They need to play like they did in the second half if there are any chance of beating Fremantle. You can't give them one quarter where they just go, go kick seven, eight goals. They've got to be competitive. They've got to stay with the Dockers. And yeah, midfield the, the midfield battle is going to be huge, and obviously the return of Fife potentially. Uh, we still don't know if he's actually in because um, we're recording this before the teams are announced. But it's it's apparently uh, it's almost certain that he will play. So it'll be uh, it'll be an enthralling watch for sure. Mm, I think there'll be a couple of nerves in the uh, Hawthorne bank about Fife because last time out Fife had thirty-one disposals, a goal. 12 score involvements, and that was against the Hawks mm. in round 17, playing as a midfielder. If he goes forward into the what I call the dusty position, the, you know, the, the floating you know, false nine to use football, uh, soccer terms, but football terms, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, could have, he could have, you know, four or five. He, he, this could be oh, the, the, the uh, rejuvenation of, of uh, Nate Five's career, and I'm pretty excited to see it, to be honest, as a as, you know, secondary Dockers <laughs> fan. The other point to mention here is you said a battle of the midfield, absolutely, because last week the Dockers outscored the Lions by 33 points from clearances. So almost six goals from clearance alone. And, uh, again, that's probably one of the weaker areas for Hawthorne at the moment is their, their clearance and midfield yeah. play, just because of the, the bodies that are in there and the players that are in there. And yeah. the only other interesting matchup I can find here is that obviously Hawthorne, the most – a potent forward line once inside 50. Ranked first in the league, they score from 51% of their inside 50s. The league average is 43. So it's it's bonkers. It's absurd. Uh, and the fact that they're still lasting it by round 13 is is incredible. So hats off to Sam Mitchell and all the patterns he's working on and all those kind of entries. However, they are coming up against the stoutiest defensive outfit. Uh, mm. Fremantle only concede uh, goals from 38% of their uh, in, uh, inside 50s against. And so that'll be interesting to see if, you know, if the, uh, the Hawks can maintain that potency in the forward line because they'll need to because mm-hmm. they, you know, they're probably not going to win the midfield battle. They're not renowned for getting a, a deluge of inside 50s. And so they will require to, to kick, kick straight, kick true um, to keep this game close. Um, but I think Frio's on a roll here and they're, they're pre-buy as well. So I think they finish, they roll into round 13 on a high entrenched in the top four 
and I get a comfortable week off for mine. But I like the angles. I like the angles. <laughs> my upset want. alert is just yeah. My upset alert is just as uh you know tangential and fraught and and probably flimsy. And it's Essendon versus Carlton. And uh, this is the official all year. Obviously, is Essendon's 150th year in the competition, or as a club, because I think they actually precede the competition. But uh, this is the game where they are officially marking their anniversary. They're doing the big dinner. They've rolled out Kevin Shitty during the week. Uh, <laughs> he's dug up some uh, drug saga stuff. I don't know why it's Kevin Shitty. That you can't you can't get inside the mind of the marshmallow man. So that's okay. Shitty does what Shitty does. That's totally fine. <laughs> and. They've had a lackluster year, but they're coming up against the Carlton side that's, you know, up against it, heaps of injuries. Winter, you can lower your colours against a side that's not as good as you, take things for granted maybe. Mm. Is vibe enough? Is energy enough? Is it, like, do players actually care enough about the fabric of the club to give an extra 10%? Like, are the, are the players that currently at the Essendon Football Club going to wake up and go, no, we have to put on a show tonight because we are celebrating this proud club, or they just like, it's just another game and I've got to do a bunch of like media during the week because they told me to. I mean, you'd like to think so. You'd like to think there's, a, you know, a sense of pride within that Essendon team. I know they haven't showed it this season, but I guess supporters, uh, they did show it against Hawthorne, I think, in that last quarter. And support the supporters will definitely hope to think that, you know, there is that sense of pride. So... Um, yeah, fresh off the bye, they've had a week to, you know, rest and review the season, uh, the, yeah, the half season that was, and I guess now is the opportunity to put it right, and luckily enough, they come up against one of their traditional rivals in Carlton, and it's a big occasion, Friday night footy, it's going to be cold, it will probably be wet as well, um, so it could be a slog, and you know, when, when the skill's taken out of it and, um, you know, you, you've got the fresher legs, I, I think I think Essendon, yeah, I don't, I don't mind your angles either. I think they could um, could come out and surprise a few. And they're obviously helped by, with the return of uh, Jake Stringer, potentially. So um, that, that, that'll be a massive moral boost and, you know, another big body to have floating between midfield and the forward line. So, yeah, I mean, Essendon, you'd expect them to win a few, um, yeah, surprise a few teams this season, even though they're not as good as they were last year. And this is probably one that they've got circled in um, to win a few more supporters um, across after what's been, you know, a disappointing season. And... Historically, I feel like this game gets lumped into quite poetically into that those like big clash games. So it doesn't really matter how the mm-hmm. how the form lines are. It, it's always gonna be pretty close. Anzac Day, ironically, also involving Essendon, uh, and you know even games like Queen's Birthday, Collingwood versus Melbourne, or Easter Easter Monday where you go Hawthorn versus Geelong. It doesn't really matter what what those clubs are doing. They come together on that day. It's usually pretty close. And the same thing here. Yes, Essen have lost their last four against Carlton, but the average is only 10 points. And at the moment, I think they'd take that. Like, they'd much prefer the win, but they'd take a 10-point loss against Carlton, who should be a top-four side. On the flip side, if you just go to the hard um, statistical truth, is that the Bombers have won 11 quarters this season. The only team has done worse than that is the Eagles. So they're equal with the Ruse on quarters lot. Quarters one this season mm-hmm. so far, so they are 
historically poor. They and it's all about defense. They're the leakiest defense in the competition. They let up the most goals per inside fifty. They have the lowest pressure factor across the competition so far. They've won the fewest um, defensive one-on-ones. They take the fewest intercept marks. They they just don't defend. And I think, especially considering the celebration and the occasion, you'd want this these guys to show up defensively and mm-hmm. have a crack and kind of show that spirit at the, as a as a minimum. And if they jag an upset win, so be it. But uh, until proven otherwise, I will be tipping Cal. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'll, I'll probably back the Blues into win. They get Harry Mackay back, and with that potency they have up forward, um, it'll just be too much for the Bombers to handle, I'm afraid. Um, as you said, they, they haven't really shown any of that defensive pressure this season. They haven't stood up defensively at all, um, and they're going up against one of... Um, one of the best attacking teams in the comp. So, um, and and Carlton, we know, thrive off having the big crowds there and a majority of them in, in their favour as well. So, um, I think Carlton will just be too strong for the Bombers. So, then we go into our tipping comp winners. The tricky games that you don't want to overthink. And maybe this week they aren't that tricky. But, you know... There's only six games to talk about, so we might as well talk about all six. The first one tonight, Richmond versus Port Adelaide. And so obviously Richmond's coming off the controversial Sydney loss where the 50-meter penalty wasn't called because of common sense, but when have vampires used common sense in 2022? Who knows? We all moved on. Mm-hmm. That was only two weeks ago. Who would have thought? Versus Port Adelaide, who only beat Essendon by 16 points. And yes, people will say a win's a win, but you know when it comes against Essendon, North Melbourne or West Coast, if it's not by more than six goals, did you actually really win the game? Well, you got the four points. So that's all that matters. But is this a comfortable Richmond win? It's wet. It's at the G. Port actually aren't that good. And then Richmond will be back in the eight and things are all smooth. Or can we see Ken Hinckley? You know, he looked into the future. I'll be five and five. He got there. Can he turn his five and five now into a finals appearance and, and keep his job nice and nice and settled considering he just uh, confirmed that he's not going to take on the Giants' job? And, of course, he'd say that in the middle mm. of the season. Yeah. Um, I don't think it will be as comfortable as what we might think it will be uh, for the Tigers. Uh, actually, if you look back at their last few games, uh, these two have put together a few uh, tight ones. Uh, the last three have been at the Adelaide Oval. They actually haven't faced each other at the MCG since 2019, which is a long way back, um, actually, uh, when you think about it. But... Um, yeah, so the last three games, Adelaide Oval, I think they all decide, all, all of them were decided under uh, four goals. A couple, of, a couple of them were decided by under 10. Uh, two of them went in Port Adelaide's favour. But yeah, Richmond are obviously a different beast when they're playing at home with the Tiger Army behind them. And they will be too strong, but... I think Port Adelaide have a lot to play for here as well. They've got, um, obviously, if they lose, they they could fall as much as three games behind the top, behind eighth, if Collingwood get the win. Um, and yeah, these these are two teams that are fighting for that for that spot. Um, so neither of them are going to leave anything behind. They both want to get the win, and yeah, I think. Yeah, Richmond should, on paper, stand up and um, prove too strong, even without the the likes of uh, Tom Lynch up forward. But the return of Noel Bolter, um, yeah, I I think I'll definitely be tipping Richmond, and 
Um, yeah, but Port Port won't shouldn't make it easy for them, but we'll wait and see. Absolutely. And, you know, everyone keeps talking about the Richmond dynasty being dead, but, you know, ever since round six, this Richmond side's looking pretty Richmond-y to me. They've won five of their last six games, the MCG, by 31 points. They've outscored their opponents from intercept possessions by four goals per game. Uh, they're averaging mm. 360 handball metres, so it's all about that chaos football again. And they've, uh, in the last four rounds, they've allowed their opponents to retain possession inside 50 only 42% of the time, which is the second best defence in the competition. And that's all trademark Richmond of Premiership years. Yes, they're not quite there this time, but you know they're definitely still a top eight side. And, and Port, they're, they're flip-flopping because the classic Port, the successful Port that's finishing minor premiers or top two is that you know contested, flair, high-scoring, you know, highlights real team. And this year they've gone back to being like, when we play a good side, we go back to that retain the football, uncontested possession, um, slow tempo footy. They try to play against Melbourne and other sides. If they do mm. against against Richmond, I don't think it's going to work too well. So for the sake of the contest, for the sake of uh, Port Adelaide, I hope they come out and take the game on and make it a bit of a, a contest v contest. But um, I'm still tipping here Richmond based on the, the bank of form. Um, yes, despite the uh, the... Queried, browse up, Sydney loss. The the last game here, and a quick game, is uh, North Melbourne versus GWS. And uh, <laughs> North has to win a game again. That's, that's the only reason why I'm going to talk about it. North has to win a game again. And I think where your games come from are the inconsequential ones. So maybe the whole stress of the North Melbourne Football Club was they're struggling to perform, they're under the pressure, they're under the microscope. So what happens if you don't watch it? What if no one comes to this game versus US? What if there is only 4,000 people plus the hundreds of staff? Is that a better <laughs> chance for a, for a North Melbourne upset if there's just no one at Marvel Stadium on Saturday afternoon? I don't know. It could work two ways. It could definitely go the way you just described it. Um, yeah, it, it might ease the pressure a bit, I guess, having less people there. But, yeah, the, the opposite, the contrary, could be... Um, that they're deflated. They run out on the ground. They see no one showed up to watch them and they they don't have motivation um, and they don't have momentum from the get-go. I mean, on paper, GWS are a much better side than North Melbourne. They haven't played that way this year, we know. But, I mean, the likes of Toby Green and Josh Kelly and Stephen Cornelio, um, the, the forward line with Himmelberg, this should be, you know, a big GWS win. Um, they showed they showed what they're capable of a couple of weeks ago when they played West Coast. Uh, they absolutely blew them out of the water. It was their best game for the season. I have North Melbourne and West Coast, you know, in the same bracket this year. Um, they're, they're very similar on percentage as well. So, uh, yeah, I'll be tipping GWS comfortably. Um, it, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we can give... <laughs> any hope to North Melbourne um, at the moment. The, we spoke about them earlier in the week. Their last uh, six or seven games have been by, you know, over 45 points. And there's been some 70-point losses there, some 10-goal losses there. So obviously, they lost by over 100 points to Brisbane. It, it's hard to see where the wins will come from. I, I don't think it'll happen this week. GWS just have too much star power in their team and... You know, they've had the week off. I expect them to come out firing. Yeah. But history suggests North does weird things to weird clubs. 
And so, yes, they were playing in Tassie last time and it was a draw. But I just feel like if North is to get a game, it's against... Because, you know, if your, if your club lost to North this year, you would be shattered. You would be... Oh, yes. Like if Hawthorne lost yeah. to North, you're very upset. If Richmond lost to yeah. North, you're very upset. If Shadow West is lo- loses to North, no one's upset. So this is messing with the game that makes the most sense in terms of the football gods of mine. It's not very scientific. It's not statistical at all. It's not about the X's and O's. It's just about the vibe. And so uh, I reckon <laughs> North will push this one all the way at least, um, which uh, leads me to my tips. But first, before we get to the tips, there's the routine of uh, match day evening as we get to 525 mm. on Thursday you, you knock off work you you get home and then you log in a super coach and you look at the dire situation that's ahead of you injuries you've forgotten about who do I put as captain who does I put as vice I've only got you know two and a half hours before the next game kicks off help us out here Nico who should we definitely bring into our side this week yeah well that's that's the buy rounds for you Gordo they're very um they're the toughest part of Supercoach, and um, the player I'm looking at this week to bring in is Darcy Parrish because his buy has passed, and you can safely pick him. Um, his record shows that you know he plays a lot of games, so he should be uh, in your midfield for the remainder of the season. I, uh, touch wood that he doesn't get injured, but you know he's at a premium price, uh, but he's totally worth it. He's averaging 118 this year. He got off to a slow start by his standards early in the year, but he's now hit eight tons in a row, uh, including five over 120. And his break even is at 99, so he will rise in price um, over the coming weeks. So get him, get him in now. Um, lock him in. Throw away the key. He's a star, um, and he's almost guaranteed 30 touches every single week. So he's a good one to have in your team, Gordo. There we go. Which brings us into fine form to you. Put your house on it, picks. Uh, a couple of little cheeky tips that you can take to the weekend to keep things interesting in case your team gets blown mm-hmm. out. What is your prop and your pick for this week's action, Nick? I've got one for you tonight. Jack Rewald to kick three or more goals. Because, well, the first thing that goes in his favour is the fact that Tom Lynch isn't there. So he becomes the primary target for Richmond going forward. And he's also kicked three or more against Port Adelaide in 15 of his last 17 against Port. So, Gordo, um, that is, I mean, if that doesn't convince you, I don't think anything will. But... Um, that, that, that's what I'm going with for my prop and my pick for tomorrow night. I'm going Carlton, but I'm going to go for Carlton um, under 166.5 for the total points because in Essendon's last seven night matches at the MCG, they've gone under the total. And also, as I mentioned a bit earlier, it's going to be cold. It might be wet. So um, I can see that one being a low-scoring contest. It all makes much sense to me, and I will definitely be jumping on the, uh, the Rewalt train there. Mine are a lot less adventurous, but uh, based in, in, in vibe and stats. Uh, the stats one, I'm going to go for a points fest in Brisbane. So Kilda loves playing in Brisbane. Brisbane love scoring points themselves. They're averaging over 100 points this year. They're also averaging conceding over 100 points this year. So I'm expecting both teams to play some nice, aggressive, free-flowing football. A nice little Saturday night delight. Um, so we'll get ourselves enjoyable for that over the points. Uh, and then the pick is just vibe. I think North can't be this bad forever. As I said, 
against a club that has the fewest members, the fewest people get hurt. North fans get a nice little winter kick, the winter warmth, keep them uh, happy on Monday. I don't think they will win per se, but they'll definitely cover the line of 32 and a half. I'm going to keep this within five goals. And that's how poor they're going at the moment. That is a, a commendable achievement to lose by less than five goals. But I think, I think they can do it. Um, as we said, though, it is 5.29 on Thursday as we come into the buy, second buy around the Queen's birthday weekend matchup. Thank you, Nicky G, for your expert opinion and uh, for you know keeping the case for Hawthorne, as you do each and every week. And uh, until Monday, until we break it all down and wash out all the results, uh, enjoy the weekend. And if you're living anywhere on the East Coast, stay warm, stay dry, stay safe.